Act Three of the Merry Wives of Windsor by William Shakespeare. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Three, Scene One A Field Near Frogmore. Enter Sir Hugh Evans and Simple. I pray you now, good Master Slender's serving man, and friend simple by your name which way have you looked for master caius that calls himself doctor of physic marry sir the pity were the park word every way old windsor way and every way but the town way i most vehemently desire you you will also look that way i will sir exit bless my soul how full of collars i am and trembling of mind i shall be glad if he have deceived me how melancholies i am I will nog his urinals about his knave's costard when I have good opportunities for the irk. Bless my soul. To shallow rivers to whose falls melodious birds sing madrigals. There we will make our beds of roses and a thousand fragrant posies. To shallow, mercy on me, I have a great dispositions to cry. Melodious birds sing madrigals, when as I sat in Babylon, and a thousand vagrom posies to shallow, etc. Re-enter Semple. Yonder he is coming, this way, Sir Hugh. He's welcome, to shallow rivers to whose falls, heaven prosper the right. What weapons is he? No weapons, sir. There comes my master, Master Shallow, and another gentleman from Frogmore. Over the stile this way. Pray you, give me my gown, or else keep it in your arms. Enter page, shallow, and slender. Oh, no, Master Parson. Good morrow, good Sir Hugh. Keep a gamester from the dice, and a good student from his book, and it is wonderful. Aside. Ah, sweet Anne Page. Save you, good Sir Hugh. Bless you from his mercy's sake, all of you. What? the sword and the word do you study them both master parson and youthful still in your doublet and hose this raw rheumatic day there is reasons and causes for it we are come to you to do a good office master parson very well what is it yonder is a most reverend gentleman who belike having received wrong by some person is at most odds with his own gravity and patience that ever you saw I have lived fourscore years and upward. I never heard a man of his place, gravity and learning, so wide of his own respect. What is he? I think you know him, Master Dr. Caius, the renowned French physician. God's will, and his passion of my heart. I had as lief you would tell me of a mess of porridge. Why? He has no more knowledge in Hippocrates and Galen. And he is a knave besides, a cowardly knave, as you would desire to be acquainted with all. I warrant you he's the man should fight with him. Aside. Oh, sweet Anne Page. It appears so by his weapons. Keep them asunder. Here comes Dr. Keys. Enter host, Dr. Caius, and Rugby. Nay, good master parson, keep in your weapon. So do you, good master doctor. Disarm them and let them question. Let them keep their limbs whole and hack our English. I pray you, let me speak a word with your ear. Wherefore will you not meet me? Aside to Dr. Caius. Pray you, use your patience. 
in good time. By gar, you are the coward, the jack dog, John Ape. Pray you, let us not be laughing stocks to other men's humours. I desire you in friendship, and I will, one way or other, make you amends. Aloud. I will nog your urinals about your knave's coxcomb for missing your meetings and appointments. Diable! Jacques Ruby, mine host de Jatir, have I not stay for him to kill him? Have I not at the place I did appoint? As I am a Christian soul now, look you, this is the place appointed. I'll be judgment by mine host of the garter. Peace, I say, Gallia and Gaul, French and Welsh, soul-curer and body-curer. Ay, that is very good, excellent. Peace, I say, hear mine host of the garter. Am I politic? Am I subtle? Am I a Machiavel? Shall I lose my doctor? No, he gives me the potions and the motions. Shall I lose my parson, my priest, my Sir Hugh? No, he gives me the proverbs and the no-verbs. Give me thy hand, terrestrial, so. Give me thy hand, celestial, so. Boys of art, I have deceived you both. I have directed you to wrong places. Your hearts are mighty, your skins are whole, and let burnt sack be the issue. Come, lay their swords to pawn. Follow me, lads of peace, follow, follow, follow. Trust me, a mad host. Follow, gentlemen, follow. Aside. Oh, sweet Anne Page. Exeunt, shallow, slender, page and host. Ha! <laughs> Do I perceive that? Have you not make a desert of us? <laughs> this is well. He has made us his vlouting-stog. I desire you that we may be friends, and let us knock our brains together, to be revenge on this same skull, scurvy-cogging companion, the host of the garter. By gar, with all my heart! He promised to bring me where's and page. By gar, he deceived me too! Well. I will smite his noddles. Pray you, follow. Exeunt. Act three, scene two. A street. Enter Mistress Page and Robin. Nay, keep your way, little gallant. You were wont to be a follower, but now you are a leader. Whether had you rather lead mine eyes or I your master's heels? I had rather, forsooth, go before you like a man than follow him like a dwarf. Oh, you are a flattering boy. Now I see you'll be a courtier. Enter Ford. Well met, Mistress Page. Whither go you? Truly, sir, to see your wife. Is she at home? Ay, and as idle as she may hang together for want of company. I think, if your husbands were dead, you two would marry. Be sure of that. Two other husbands. Where had you this pretty weathercock? I cannot tell what the dickens his name is my husband had him of. What do you call your knight's name, sirrah? Sir John Falstaff. Sir John Falstaff? He, he, I can never hit on's name. There is such a league between my good man and he. Is your wife at home indeed? Indeed she is. By your leave, sir, I am sick till I see her. Exeunt Mistress Page and Robin. Has Page any brains? Hath he any eyes? Hath he any thinking? Sure, they sleep. He hath no use of them. Why, this boy will carry a letter twenty mile as easy as a cannon, will shoot point-blank twelve score. He pieces out his wife's inclination. He gives her folly motion and advantage, 
and now she's going to my wife and Falstaff's boy with her. A man may hear this shower sing in the wind, and Falstaff's boy with her. Good plots they are laid, and our revolted wives share damnation together. Well, I will take him, then torture my wife, pluck the borrowed veil of modesty from the so-seeming mistress Page, divulge Page himself from a secure and wilful acteon, and to these violent proceedings all my neighbours shall cry aim. Clock heard. The clock gives me my cue, and my assurance bids me search. There I shall find full staff. I shall be rather praised for this than mocked, for it is as positive as the earth is firm that Falstaff is there. I will go. Enter Page, Shallow, Slender, Host, Sir Hugh Evans, Dr. Caius, and Rugby. Well met, Master Ford. Trust me, a good knot. I have good cheer at home, and I pray you all go with me. I must excuse myself, Master Ford. And so must I, sir. We have appointed to dine with Mistress Anne, and I would not break with her for more money than I'll speak of. We have lingered about a match between Anne Page and my cousin Slender, and this day we shall have our answer. I hope I have your good will, Father Page. You have, Master Slender. I stand wholly for you. But my wife, Master Doctor, is for you altogether. I begar, and the maid is a lover me. My nurse, quickly tell me so much. What say you to young Master Fenton? He capers, he dances, he has eyes of youth, he writes verses, he speaks holiday, he smells April and May. He will carry it, he will carry it. Tis in his buttons, he will carry it. Not by my consent, I promise you. The gentleman is of no having. He kept company with Wild Prince and Poins. He is of too high a region. He knows too much. No, he shall not knit a knot in his fortunes with a finger of my substance. If he take her, let him take her simply. The wealth I have waits on my consent, and my consent goes not that way. I beseech you heartily, some of you go home with me to dinner. Besides your cheer, you shall have sport. I will show you a monster. Master Doctor, you shall go. So shall you, Master Page. And you, Sir Hugh. Well, fare you well. We shall have the freer wooing at Master Page's. Exeunt, shallow, and slender. Go home, Jean Rugby. I come anon. Exit, Rugby. Farewell, my hearts. I will to my honest knight Falstaff, and drink canary with him. Exit. Aside. I think I shall drink in pipe-wine first with him. I'll make him dance. Will you go, gentles? Have, have with thee to you see, this see monster. monster. Exeunt. Act three. Scene three. A room in Ford's house. Enter Mistress Ford and Mistress Page. What, John? What, Robert? Quickly, quickly, is the buck-basket? I warrant. What Robin, I say? Enter servants with the basket. Come, come, come. Here, set it down. Give your men the charge, we must be brief. Marry, as I told you before, John and Robert, be ready here, hard by in the brew-house, and when I suddenly call you, come forth, and without any pause or staggering, take this basket on your shoulders. That done, trudge with it in all haste, and carry it among the Whitsters in Datchet Mead. 
and there empty it in the muddy ditch close by the Thames side. You will do it. I had told them over and over. They like no direction. Be gone and come when you are called. Exeunt servants. Here comes little Robin. Enter Robin. How now, my eyes musket? What news with you? My master, Sir John, is come in at your back door, Mistress Ford, and requests your company. You little jack-a-lent, have you been true to us? Ay, I'll be sworn. My master knows not of your being here, and hath threatened to put me into everlasting liberty if I tell you of it, for he swears he'll turn me away. Thou'rt a good boy. This secrecy of thine shall be a tailor to thee, and shall make thee a new doublet and hose. I'll go hide me. Do so. Go tell thy master I am alone. Exit, Robin. Mistress Page, remember you your cue. I warrant thee. If I do not act it, hiss me. Exit. Go to, then. We'll use this unwholesome humidity, this gross watery pumpkin. We'll teach him how to know turtles from jays. Enter Falstaff. Have I caught thee, my heavenly jewel? Why, now let me die, for I have lived long enough. This is the period of my ambition. Oh, this blessed hour! Oh, sweet Sir John! Mistress Ford, I cannot cog. I cannot prate, Mrs. Ford. Now shall I sin in my wish. I would thy husband were dead. I'll speak it before the best lord. I would make thee my lady. Ay, your lady, Sir John. Alas, I should be a pitiful lady. Let the court of France show me such another. I see how thine eye would emulate the diamond. Thou hast the right arched beauty of the brow that becomes the ship-tire, the tire valiant, or any tire of Venetian admittance. A plain kerchief, Sir John. My brows become nothing else, nor that well neither. By the Lord, thou art a traitor to say so. Thou wouldst make an absolute courtier, and the firm fixture of thy foot would give an excellent motion to thy gait in a semicircled farthingale. I see what thou wert, if fortune thy foe were not, nature thy friend. Come, thou canst not hide it. Believe me, there is no such thing in me. What made me love thee? Let that persuade thee there's something extraordinary in thee. Come, I cannot cog and say thou art this and that, like a many of these lisping hawthorn buds that come like women in men's apparel and smell like bucklersberry in simple time i cannot but i love thee none but thee and thou deservest it do not betray me sir i fear you love mistress page thou mightest well say i love to walk by the counter-gate which is as hateful to me as the reek of a lime-kiln well heaven knows how i love you and you shall one day find it. Keep that in mind. I'll deserve it. Nay, I must tell you, so you do, or else I could not be in that mind. Within. Mistress Ford, Mistress Ford, here's Mistress Page at the door, sweating and blowing and looking wildly, and would need speak with you presently. She shall not see me. I will ensconce me behind the arras. Oh, pray you do so. She's a very tattling woman. Falstaff hides himself. Re-enter Mistress Page and Robin. What's the matter? How now? Oh, Mistress Ford, what have you done? You're shamed, you're overthrown, you're undone forever. What's the matter, good Mistress Page? Oh, well-a-day, Mistress Ford. 
having an honest man to your husband to give him such cause of suspicion what cause of suspicion what cause of suspicion out pon you how am i mistook in you why alas what's the matter your husband's coming hither woman with all the officers in windsor to search for a gentleman that he says is here now in the house by your consent to take an ill advantage of his absence you are undone tis not so i hope pray heaven it be not so that you have such a man here but tis most certain your husband's coming with half windsor at his heels to search for such a one i come before to tell you if you know yourself clear why i am glad of it but if you have a friend here convey convey him out be not amazed call all your senses to you defend your reputation or bid farewell to your good life for ever what shall i do there is a gentleman my dear friend and i fear not mine own shame so much as his peril i had rather a thousand pound he were out of the house for shame never stand you had rather and you had rather your husband's here at hand bethink you of some conveyance in the house you cannot hide him oh how have you deceived me look here is a basket if he be of any reasonable stature he may creep in here and throw foul linen upon him as if it were going to bucking or it is whiting time send him by your two men to dash at mead he's too big to go in there what shall i do coming forward let me see it let me see it oh let me see it i'll in i'll in follow your friend's counsel i'll in what sir john falstaff are these your letters knight i love thee help me away let me creep in here i'll never gets into the basket they cover him with foul linen help to cover your master boy call your men mistress ford you dissembling knight what john what robert john exit robin re-enter servants go take up these clothes here quickly where's the cow-staff look how you drumble carry them to the laundress in datchet meat quickly come enter ford page dr caius and sir hugh evans pray you come near if i suspect without cause why then make sport of me then let me be your jest i deserve it how now whither bear you this to the laundress forsooth why what have you to do whither they bear it you were best meddle with buck-washing buck i would i could wash myself of the buck 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 ay buck i'll warrant you buck and of the season too it shall appear exeunt servants with the basket gentlemen i have dreamed to-night i'll tell you my dream here 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 be my keys ascend to my chambers search seek and find out i'll warrant we'll unkennel the fox let me stop this way first locking the door so now uncape good master ford be contented you wrong yourself too much true master page up gentlemen you shall see sport anon follow me gentlemen exit this is very fantastical humours and jealousies by gar tis no the fashion of france it is not jealous in france nay follow him gentlemen see the issue of his search exeunt page dr caius and sir hugh evans is there not a double excellency in this i know not which pleases me better that my husband is deceived or sir john 
What a taking was he in when your husband asked who was in the basket? I am half afraid he will have need of washing, so throwing him into the water will do him a benefit. Hang him, dishonest rascal! I would all of the same strain were in the same distress. I think my husband hath some special suspicion of Falstaff's being here, for I never saw him so gross in his jealousy till now. I will lay a plot to try that, and we will yet have more tricks with Falstaff. His dissolute disease will scarce obey this medicine. Shall we send that foolish carrion, mistress, quickly to him, and excuse his throwing into the water, and give him another hope to betray him to another punishment? We will do it. Let him be sent for to-morrow, eight o'clock, to have amends. Re-enter Ford, Page, Dr. Caius, and Sir Hugh Evans. I cannot find him. Maybe the knave bragged of that he could not compass. Aside to Mistress Ford. Heard you that? You use me well, Master Ford, do you? Ay, I do so. Heaven make you better than your thoughts. Amen. You do yourself mighty wrong, Master Ford. Ay, ay, I must bear it. If there be any party in the house, and in the chambers, and in the coffers, and in the presses, heaven forgive my sins at the day of judgment. My God, nor I too. There's no bodies. Fie, fie, Master Ford. Are you not ashamed? What spirit, what devil suggests this imagination? I would not hire your distemper in this kind for the wealth of Windsor Castle. Tis my fault, Master Page. I suffer for it. You suffer for a pad conscience. Your wife is as honest a woman's, as I will desires among five thousand, and five hundred too. By gar, I see tis an honest woman. Well, I promised you a dinner. Come, come, walk in the park. I pray you pardon me. I will hereafter make known to you why I have done this. Come, wife, come, Mistress Page. I pray you pardon me. Pray heartily pardon me. Let's go in, gentlemen, but trust me, we'll mock him. I do invite you tomorrow morning to my house to breakfast. After, we'll a birding together. I have a fine hawk for the bush. Shall we so? Anything. If there is one, I shall make two in the company. If there be one or two, I shall make a the third. Pray you, go, Master Page. I pray you now. Remembrance tomorrow on the lousy knave, mine host. That is good. By God, with all my heart. A lousy knave to have his jibes and his mockeries. Exeunt. Act Three. Scene Four. A room in Page's house. Enter Fenton and Anne Page. I see I cannot get thy father's love, therefore no more turn me to him, sweet Nan. Alas, how then? Why, thou must be thyself. He doth object I am too great of birth, and that, my state being galled with my expense, I seek to heal it only by his wealth. Besides these, other bars he lays before me, my riots past, my wild societies, and tells me tis a thing impossible I should love thee but as a property. Maybe he tells you true. No, heaven so speed me in my time to come. Albeit I will confess thy father's wealth was the first motive that I wooed thee, Anne. Yet wooing thee, I found thee of more value than stamps in gold or sums in sealed bags, and tis the very riches of thyself that I now aim at. Gentle Master Fenton, yet seek my father's love, still seek it, sir. If opportunity and humblest suit cannot attain it, 
Why, then, hark you hither. They converse apart. Enter shallow, slender, and mistress quickly. Break their talk, mistress quickly. My kinsman shall speak for himself. I'll make a shaft or bolt on Slid, tis but venturing. Be not dismayed. No, she shall not dismay me. I care not for that, but that I am afeard. Hark ye, Master Slender would speak a word with you. I come to him. Aside. This is my father's choice. Oh, what a world of vile, ill-favoured faults looks handsome in three hundred pounds a year. And how does good Master Fenton pray you a word with you? She's coming. To her cause. Oh, boy, thou hadst a father. I had a father, Mistress Anne. My uncle can tell you good jests of him. Pray you, uncle, tell Mistress Anne the jest. How my father stole two geese out of a pen, good uncle. Mistress Anne, my cousin loves you. Ay, that I do, as well as I love any woman in Gloucestershire. He will maintain you like a gentlewoman. Ay, that I will, come cut and long tail, under the degree of a squire. He will make you a hundred and fifty pounds jointure. Good Master Shallow, let him woo for himself. Marry, I thank you for it. I thank you for that good comfort. She calls you, cause I'll leave you. Now, Master Slender. Now, good Mistress Anne. What is your will? My will? Odds heartlings, that's a pretty jest indeed. I ne'er made my will yet. I thank heaven. I am not such a sickly creature. I give heaven praise. I mean, Master Slender, what would you with me? Truly, for mine own part, I would little or nothing with you. Your father and my uncle hath made motions. If it be my luck, so. If not, happy man be his dole. They can tell you how things go better than I can. You may ask your father. Here he comes. Enter Page and Mistress Page. Now, Master Slender, I love him, daughter Anne. Why, how now, what is Master Fenton here? You wrong me, sir, thus still to haunt my house. I told you, sir, my daughter is disposed of. Nay, Master Page, be not impatient. Good Master Fenton, come not to my child. She is no match for you. Sir, will you hear me? No, good Master Fenton. Come, Master Shallow, come, son Slender, in. Know my mind, you wrong me, Master Fenton. Exeunt, Page, Shallow, and Slender. Speak to Mistress Page. Good Mistress Page. For that I love your daughter in such a righteous fashion as I do, perforce against all checks, rebukes, and manners, I must advance the colours of my love, and not retire. Let me have your good will. Good mother, do not marry me to yond fool. I mean it not. I seek you a better husband. That's my master, Master Doctor. Alas, I'd rather be set quick in the earth and bold to death with turnips. Come, trouble not yourself. Good Master Fenton, I will not be your friend nor enemy. My daughter will I question how she loves you, and as I find her, so am I affected. Till then, farewell, sir. She must needs go in. Her father will be angry. Farewell, gentle mistress. Farewell, Nan. Exeunt Mistress Page and Anne Page. This is my doing now. Nay, said I, will you cast away your child on a fool and a physician? Look on, Master Fenton. This is my doing. I thank thee, and I pray thee, once to-night give my sweet Nan this ring. There's for thy pains. 
Now heaven send thee good fortune. Exit Fenton. A kind heart he hath. A woman would run through fire and water for such a kind heart. But yet I would my master had Mistress Anne, or I would Master Slender had her, or in sooth I would Master Fenton had her. I will do what I can for them all three, for so I have promised, and I'll be as good as my word. But speciously for Master Fenton, well, I must have another errand to Sir John Falstaff for my two mistresses. What a beast am I to slack it? Exit. Act Three, Scene Five, A Room in the Garter Inn. Enter Falstaff and Bardolph. Bardolph, I say. Yes, sir. Go fetch me a quart of sack. Put a toast in it. Exit Bardolph. Have I lived to be carried in a basket, like a barrow of butcher's offal, and to be thrown in the Thames? Well, if I be served such another trick, I'll have my brains taken out and buttered, and give them to a dog for a New Year's gift. The rogues slighted me into the river with as little remorse as they would have drowned a blind bitch's puppies, fifteen in the litter. And you may know by my size that I have a kind of alacrity in sinking. If the bottom were as deep as hell, I should down. I had been drowned, but that the shore was shelvy and shallow. A death that I abhor, for the water swells a man. And what a thing should I have been when I had been swelled? I should have been a mountain of mummy. Re-enter Bardolph with sack. Here's Mrs. Quakely, sir, to speak with you. Let me pour in some sack to the Thames water, for my belly's as cold as if I had swallowed snowballs for pills to cool the rains. Call her in. Come in, woman. Enter Mistress Quickly. By your leave I cry you mercy. Give your worship good morrow. Take away these chalices. Go brew me a pottle of sack finely. With egg, sir. Simple of itself. I'll no pullet sperm in my brewage. Exit Bardolph. How now? Marry, sir, I come to your worship from Mistress Ford. Mistress Ford? I have had Ford enough. I was thrown into the Ford. I have my belly full of Ford. Alas, the day! Good heart! That was not her fault. She does so take on with her men. They mistook their erection. So did I mine, to build upon a foolish woman's promise. Well, she laments, sir, for it, that it would yearn your heart to see it. Her husband goes this morning a-birding. She desires you once more to come to her between eight and nine. I must carry her word quickly. She'll make you amends, I warrant you. Well, I will visit her, tell her so, and bid her think what a man is. Let her consider his frailty, and then judge of my merit. I will tell her. Do so. Between nine and ten, sayest thou? Eight and nine, sir. Well, be gone. I will not miss her. Peace be with you, sir. Exit. I marvel I hear not of Master Brooke. He sent me word to stay within. I like his money well. Oh, here he comes. Enter Ford. Bless you, sir. Now, Master Brooke, you come to know what hath passed between me and Ford's wife? That, indeed, Sir John, is my business. Master Brooke, I will not lie to you. I was at her house the hour she appointed me. And sped you, sir? Very ill-favouredly, Master Brooke. How so, sir? Did she change her determination? No, Master Brooke. But the peaking Cornuto, her husband, Master Brooke, dwelling in a continual alarm of jealousy, 
comes me in the instant of our encounter, after we had embraced, kissed, protested, and as it were, spoke the prologue of our comedy, and at his heels, a rabble of his companions, thither provoked and instigated by his distemper, and forsooth, to search his house for his wife's love. What, while you were there? While I was there. And did he search for you, and could not find you? You shall hear. As good luck would have it, comes in one Mistress Page, gives intelligence of Ford's approach, and in her invention and Ford's wife's distraction, they carried me into a buck-basket. A buck-basket? <laughs> By the Lord, a buck-basket. Rammed me in with foul shirts and smocks, socks, foul stockings, greasy napkins. That, Master Brooke, there was the rankest compound of villainous smell that ever offended nostril. And how long lay you there? Nay, you shall hear, Master Brooke, what I have suffered to bring this woman to evil for your good. Being thus crammed in the basket, a couple of Ford's knaves, his hinds, were called forth by their mistress to carry me in the name of foul clothes to Datchet Lane. They took me on their shoulders, met the jealous knave their master in the door, who asked them once or twice what they had in their basket. I quaked for fear, lest the lunatic knave would have searched it, but fate, ordaining he should be a cuckold, held his hand. Well, on went he for a search, and away went I for foul clothes. But mark the sequel, Master Brooke. I suffered the pangs of three several deaths. First, an intolerable fright, to be detected with a jealous rotten bellwether. Next, to be compassed, like a good bilbo, in the circumference of a peck, hilt to point, heel to head, and then to be stopped in, like a strong distillation, with stinking clothes that fretted in their own grease. Think of that. A man of my kidney! Think of that. That am as subject to heat as butter. A man of continual dissolution and thaw. It was a miracle to scape suffocation. And in the height of this bath, when I was more than half stewed in grease, like a Dutch dish, to be thrown into the Thames and cooled, glowing hot, in that surge like a horseshoe. Think of that, hissing hot. Think of that, Master Brooke. In good sadness, I am sorry that for my sake you have suffered all this. My suit, then, is desperate. You'll undertake her no more? Master Brooke, I will be thrown into Etna, as I have been into Thames, ere I will leave her thus. Her husband is this morning gone a-birding. I have received from her another embassy of meeting. Twixt eight and nine is the hour, Master Brooke. "'Tis past eight already, sir. "'Is it? "'I will then address me to my appointment. "'Come to me at your convenient leisure, "'and you shall know how I speed, "'and the conclusion shall be crowned with your enjoying her. "'Adieu. "'You shall have her, Master Brooke. "'Master Brooke, you shall cuckold Ford. "'Exit. "'Hm! "'Ha! "'Is this a vision? "'Is this a dream? "'Do I sleep?' Master Ford, awake! Awake, Master Ford! There's a hole in your best coat, Master Ford. This tis to be married. This tis to have linen and buck-baskets. Well, I will proclaim myself what I am. I will now take the lecher. 
he is at my house he cannot scape me tis impossible he should he cannot creep into a half-penny purse nor into a pepper-box but lest the devil that guides him should aid him i will search impossible places though what i am i cannot avoid yet to be what i would not shall not make me tame if i have horns to make one mad let the proverb go with me i'll be horn mad exit end of act three